You're listening to Design Talk, a podcast for conversations connecting design with theory, organizations, business, and impact. Hello, guys. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Luca. We are very pleased to welcome Kelvin Dardis, project consulting Deloitte, who has worked in large-scale technology implementation as a program manager. So, Kevin, um, how did you go from master student um, to working in Deloitte? First of all, thanks very much for having me here. Um, so, I'm thrilled to be welcome back here to the class. I was a member of this course here uh, 10 years ago, which is quite hard to believe how quick time has flown. So, a big thanks uh, for everyone for inviting me here. It's a, it's, a pl- it's a privilege to be here. I would have, so I said this time 10 years ago, I would have been in your shoes and I would have been looking towards different opportunities that were available um, outside the market. Something I was always interested in was project management. So I did quite a lot of research in the professional services firms um, and and consulting as a career stuck out to me. Um, So it was at that time I applied to to Deloitte and uh, and went through the the process, which was was successful. And I um, effectively started Deloitte as soon as I finished the program here. Um, So since joining the graduate program Deloitte in, in 2013, I initially started out in a so business analyst roles, so working in um, a kind of requirements gathering data analyst roles in uh, initially for ERP systems implementation, so the likes of SAP software projects, um, initially in the life sciences industry, um, and then project management roles was again something I was always passionate about, so I would have worked, moved into project management and PMO lead type of uh, roles in financial services, um, and that's where I've been uh, predominantly focused in the last uh, in the last six or seven years and um, working on large-scale technology implementations, so big programs, multi-vendors, multi-suppliers, uh, engagements that uh, that Deloitte has. So that's kind of been my, my focus in, in, in the last couple of years. So what did you think about the assertion that outsourcing one of the first business strategies? I don't. I don't fully agree that outsourcing is the first or fundamental business strategies. Um, and just speaking from a, so a change implementation or change engagement projects, it's, it's something that, given the scale and pace of change that we see in organizations, be it digital transformations, cloud transformations, responding to regulatory demands or, or changes in the environment, organizations often find um, that they require the support needed from large-scale suppliers and, 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 and vendors and, and consulting firms such as, such as Deloitte that offers access to high talent and, and scale of, of skill sets that, that, that they can help. And we can partner with organizations to help them through, through those journeys. So I don't think it's necessarily a business first or fundamental. I think it's the scale of change and that we live in today does often uh, require that organizations do need support. Um, I have seen there's a lot of organizations that have internal excellent capabilities themselves, but where Deloitte comes in is to be able to partner with uh, those teams to be able to work with, with clients to deliver whether it's rolling out a cloud implementation or, uh, or a new sys software or, as I said, responding to regulatory demands or, or, or any issues that they face. Right. And um, could you tell a bit more about a day in the life um, at Deloitte? Sure. Um, yeah. So my day um, starts, well, every day I would meet with my most important stakeholder, um, often three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Um, it's my four-month-old son, so I'd, I'd feed him before uh, before I get to start work, and that's something that the flexibility of, of Deloitte does allow does allow for, um, which, which I'm very happy happy about. Um, but in terms of then into the real world, what, what I'd uh, in my in my day to day, it'd be quite difficult to have one standard day. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it is it is very 
the job does just vary day to day. So I'll try to crystallize what I might do over the course of a week. Um, so typically, as I said, I'm on a large scale pro uh, project in my most recent role as a program manager. So they've got 60 to 70 people on the team uh, working in, in financial services on, on a, a tech technology and business transformation engagement. Um, and what an average day of my we typically meet with the business leads, so the client lead, um, as well as the, the project managers within the, each individual work stream that might be on the program. So to discuss status, to discuss any issues they might have, to discuss any support they need. Um, we might do a deep dive into one of the work streams to help understand if there's a particular issue that they need support with, or if there's any escalations that need senior stakeholder support, um, or, or any guidance on, we might, we might join that. Um, similarly, we might have a, a kind of a deep dive planning session to help plan out the next phase of a project or a certain deliverable that, need, that is upcoming that we need to align um, as to what our plans are. It, it can be quite varied, particularly the role as a project manager or program manager, um, where you find yourself dealing with a wide variety of stakeholders from either legal, finance, procurement, and senior executives. So it can be quite broad. And, and that's, that's very much the day-to-day -day project work. There's probably another side of non project work that is that comes with the role of, of a consultant working working in Deloitte. Um, a big element of that is you might get involved in firm activities. Um, so for example, last year I would have been the, the program manager for our consulting graduate intake that I that I joined initially. So I'd be eager to understand if anyone has already applied to, to that or is, has, has, has expressed interest. And um, so I might involve, I'm involved again this year. So it'll be help the team plan that out, that program of training. Um, I'm also involved in leading our program leadership communities of practice uh, so again, we might be organizing internal events or looking up some insights or, uh, or some research on that. Um, and a big element as well is about so coaching. So it'd be, you're, you're a coach as well, as well as um, a kind of a project manager, you're a, a big element of the role and a huge focus uh, within Deloitte is about being a coach. So I'd have coaches that I'd link in with to help set their career objectives and support them if they have any issues that they're facing, be it from a client perspective or if they need support in, in any manner. Um, I'd act in that regard. So it's being a mentor uh, and dedicating a lot, a lot of time to that. So it's a fundamental piece that, again, might not be part of a, a standard day-to-day -day role, but um, has certainly been a huge influence. And the coaches that I've had are probably the most influential, have had the most influence on, on me. Yeah, right. So um, before this question, you answered that you, you have a lot of interactions with people within uh, Deloitte, so your stakeholders, as well as external clients. And I bet that uh, Deloitte must have um, vast skill bodies and knowledge. So I'm keen on understanding how do you tap into this kind of knowledge? Yes, so I mean, Deloitte, the, the, in terms of the scale and size of Deloitte, and this was one thing that, again, what drew me to working for such a powerful um, global firm. There's over 400,000 people or professionals working in Deloitte across over 150 countries. So the scale of that um, is, quite, is quite remarkable. Um, and one thing that always stands, continues to stand out to me is um, the positive culture we have in being able to reach out to anyone where we need support um, to kind of leverage that and tap into that base. So just to put that into scale, so that's, there's more people in, in Deloitte than there is in the combined counties of Kildare where I grew up and Laos where I'm living at the moment. So to have access to that scale of professionals across all talents, multicultural skill sets, um, where it's encouraged and being able to reach out and, and that's where we leverage it, in, it with our strengths in, in is the diversity and the, the talent across our different geographies. Um, and in terms of practically tapping into it, it can be as simple as 
using the likes of different, whether it's Teams channels or or simple as an email to say, look, this is an area of interest. Have you got an experience in doing this that we could we could understand? And often it could be a very quick phone call that kind of talks us through how what they some experience, or in, on the other end, it could involve bringing our, our specialists from across the globe to to help on a particular issue or, or engagement that we have. Can you talk about overcoming challenges? Yes. So. Good, and I found it very interesting of the previous discussion that you're having then uh, about the different types of team engagements. But uh, so yeah, so as I said, they have quite a lot of experience working with different, given scale of programs that are large scale and uh, and software implementations that could be 70, 80 upwards uh, resources on, on one particular program. It's often that that's split between different vendors, suppliers. Um, a mix of client resources, uh, Deloitte resources, as well as other other vendor and supplier resources. Um, so I think, in terms of challenges that it might face, I think in any team setting of that size and scale, there will be potential challenges that arise. And I think the role of a program manager is to identify those and have some sort of approaches in place that they can help mitigate any issues should they arise. So a couple of things that that a program manager might implement is, I suppose, that they might follow is. Firstly, a, a racy matrix. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but setting out from the from the very start of a project what the, the responsibilities are, what the accountabilities are, who needs to be consulted and who needs to be informed, and who's responsible for what across the different stages of the program. Having that agreed, document documented, uh, and hands shook on that at, at that very early stages is a powerful, a powerful and very easy way to say just so that there's no miscommunication or misunderstanding should an issue arise across. Any stage of an STLC, um, I think that's that's incredibly important. Communication and getting engagement from all members of the team again of that size, and particularly in a post-COVID world that we're in today, where there's a lot of virtual and teams are placed across different locations, that can be challenging. Um, I think that we make particular efforts in having full team events, whether it's 30 minutes a week that everybody joins a call and it's a it's a kind of an informal update from some different stakeholders every week, or uh, what we've done previously is we'd have a newsletter every Friday or every every once a week that somebody else would hold a pen and kind of give an update on what they're doing and their, what's going on in their world. And just to keep that team unit, I think, irrespective of vendors and um, and, and what, what suppliers people are, that, that resources are assigned to, that fundamental team unit and understanding of what the overall picture is, what the client goal is, that's, what, that's what's integral to success. So having that team unit that everyone is part of the same team, it does help. Um, and I think just focusing on on the relationship aspect as well, having a good relationship and rapport with the different suppliers or different vendors that might exist, do, again, goes a, goes a huge way that there's clear escalation. If issues do arise, there's a clear path and clear escalations of how to resolve them um, and that you're able to build a rapport with, with, with management of different vendors that we're all on the same page and that issues can be easily addressed um, if they do arise. Um, so when it comes to vendor selection, what is your imperative consideration? Think about cost or think about competence of the team? Um, so if, if, for example, if it's a large-scale program and there's a, a vendor that's, that's required, obviously it, you might work with a client um, to understand what the, what the, first of all, what the need is or what the, what the, kind of, what, what, what the speciality is that requires a certain vendor. Um, but some vendor selection criteria, of course, it will come down to, to cost, as to, to as to what the what the costs are involved, and the, the access to talent and the the skill sets, the experience that they might have, and um, 
working with uh, in certain industries or certain clients and um, the fit in terms of the cultural fit or again experience um, and I suppose the, under, the, the overarching ability for that, for that vendor to work well as part of a team and to work with, with a client or with ourselves to work uh, uh, towards and achieve a, a business objective or goal. That, that's some of, the, some of the considerations. All right, so um, I'd say that we've talked a lot about how you transitioned from your masters to Deloitte, um, what, what it looks like to work um, at Deloitte as a um, key uh, se uh, senior manager figure. And we also covered topics about outsourcing. So everything related to, let's say, what happened. Um, now I'd like to ask you something about um, what is going to happen um, in the future. And in theory, um, I'd like to know what is your take on the current trends that uh, you're seeing in technology impacting organizations and in general um, everything else and how these can look like in the future, in your opinion, of course? Yeah, so it's quite a, it's quite a broad one, but I'll, I'll, give, I'll give my brief take. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it, look, we're in, living in a very uh, fascinating time to, in terms of the scale of technology and advancements that we're seeing around us um, in the last couple of years. I think some of the some of the topics, and again, these probably weren't their own separate discussions by themselves and, and, and spotlights, but some of the, the trends and technologies that we see in recent years and, and kind of growth areas, so the likes of, I mean, cloud is, cloud is a big one, so cloud transformations and cloud technology, the shift to organizations towards that um, so they can leverage kind of easier, better, faster computing power that helps them launch products or launch their websites or access to, to to, I suppose, better and faster data-driven insights that gives them and transforms their business um, in a more flexible way, in a more sustainable way. And the shift, I said, towards organizations looking for that um, is definitely definitely a growth area given given the the business value that it, it can have. And we, we, we had an interesting um, survey, which I can share with the class from last year, that were over 50% of Irish organizations had indicated that they're already um, working in, in scaling their cloud implementation, so they're in, in, in some shape or form deploying, deploying cloud um, on their transformation journey. So that's definitely a, a, a big focus and a big, a big trend. Um, the likes of RPA, so robotics and process automation, again, something would have been quite a big growth area in recent years and continues to be, whereby the likes of mundane, repeatable, uh, repetitive and predictable tasks can be can be done by robotics, no longer the human, and uh, that that effectively frees up people to work on on more valuable uh, tasks. Um, so, for example, the likes of something that could be invoice processing that could take a human 15 to 20 minutes uh, that can come in in terms of extracting uh, data and transforming it, and, and two various applications that can now be done in, in potentially less than a minute by uh, uh, by a robot per se. So, those type of um, Use of applications is, is quite um, it's, it's quite prominent and has been a big growth area. Um, I think AI and machine learning again probably a hot topic at the moment. Um, the again the, the scale of um, of potential and opportunity for for the likes of AI and machine learning and in the traditional sense um, in the first instance is is quite remarkable. Where by it has the ability to transform a lot of a lot of organizations and how they do things and whether it's using AI to help with kind of predictive consumer behavior or spending and in, in, in a consumer environment or helping with uh, identifying and prevent cyber threats or, or 
uh, mitigate that risk across in the financial services um, or indeed helping with the, the triaging or, or diagnosis of in healthcare. I think the, the ability for AI and, and machine learning in those instances to, to help organizations is hugely transformative and that's been a huge, a huge growth area um, that we're seeing. I think second that the, I know the, the generative AI is a, is a hot topic at the moment. I think that's very much in its infancy um, and I think that's probably, it's not, not without risk. I think it has, it has a incredible potential to transform how we do everything um, from across all industries. And I'd, I'd be interested in Alan's take as to how um, he sees that changing potential, how we learn and how you guys might prepare an essay or how, how you prepare for such, uh, because I think it will be, it will change a lot. So I think there's, I don't have the answer to that one, or, but that's definitely uh, a big, a big area. Um, and then we have the likes of you know, blockchains um, and which, fundamentally change the way which data sharing and, and uh, data transformation is done, like of digital identities, digital uh, credentials that can now be stored uh, using a more secure way um, and methods such as that. Um, I think lastly then, probably another another interesting area that is the whole concept of a virtual reality and augmented reality and the metaverse as such. Um, again, huge uh, potential that has come in the last couple of years and uh, where we see if Alan wants to attend an Ariana Grande concert in Fortnite, he can do so um, in uh, in the metaverse and the ability to tap into an, um, a, a massive industry uh, such as gaming like that that has uh, a huge potential to change for organizations is uh, is one that's definitely, uh, we've seen huge growth on and huge potential. Yeah, thanks. That's really interesting to see um, what your opinions are on these current technologies and how they will be shaping the future. And... Following up on the AI topic, I guess I, I think last week um, some key figures in in AI uh, mentioned that the the training in some systems should be halted because uh, there is fears of a threat of humanity. Yeah, I, I think it's look, it's hard to dispute <laughs> or challenge uh, those claims. I think, as I said, I can understand. I said that the, the level of unknowns about how it's going to apply in a, in a workforce setting or or even in, in the way we do everyday life and 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 uh, how we interact how we engage with people and how, how particularly in, in terms of content how it's created and I think it's as I said it's it's such an, it's in its infancy at this stage that there's definitely risk and I think the the regulation and the monitoring around it's going to be a big um I think that's probably a big unknown that's driving that that uh, that concern and I think it's definitely it's understandable why they might want to kind of a pause on that uh, until there's more known, there's more understood about it, and how it's uh, there's more trust, trust and transparency put around the technology. Okay, I think it's a good moment to see if the audience has any questions. Hi, Kevin. I'm Wen Hao, and I have question about the project management. When you are implementing a project, so your teammates, how do you ensure their progress and to uh, achieve the goal as customer needed and how do you check this process? So it, it, I suppose it'll go down to the way in which the project or the program is structured. Um, so as I mentioned, we'll be on a team in projects, whether it's 10 or 50 people, you'd have specific kind of work streams or the team, the way it's set up that there'd be a manager or a team lead that's responsible for working with the team members and kind of checking on their status. They'd assigned the work packets or the deliverables that that team is responsible for and the team lead would kind of be the, the reviewer or the person to agree and to sign off on, on the work that they're doing per se. So we, there's huge so there's responsibility 
an onus on the, on the management and leads within different teams that would monitor the progress of resources. Um, if there's junior members of the team that need support, that they might work with them or identify that and work with them and their coach to, to help them help them through it. Uh, so ultimately, it would kind of fall on the, the, the management team that monitors, that tracks, that supports uh, and coaches each of the, the entire team members that sits underneath them. Uh, and that would be the same as it works at, at program level. Similarly, you'd you'd work with the project uh, management level um, resources to, to understand how their teams are going and tracking the progress against their deliverables. Um, as to, and if there's something if that's going in terms of a rag status where it's sort of red, amber, or green, if something's trending amber or, or red, and that's the, the the opportunity or the responsibility of the, the program manager to, to, to dive, dive into that and understand what the issues are and help the team to, to recover that to ensure that the overall goals of the client and of the project are, are met. Okay, thanks. May I ask another question? Okay, so uh, you was mentioned about AI. So do you think uh, AI has um, improved your um, efficiency and how, if yes, and how AI is um, affect your daily life and what's the trend, do you think? How, do you, how can it improve your daily work? So again, a good interest, a broad question. And again, and I'll point back that it's such a, it's such a big topic and it's not something that I work with on a day-to-day -day basis. I think just conceptually, some of the examples are where I've seen it in terms of how it can help efficiency, definitely where some, uh, it can help with kind of decision-making, um, whether that be in, again, financial service or respective industry you, that you're in, there's so much potential for that to be implemented as part of projects um, and as part of the way organizations do things, where their processes can be intelligently automated and that cuts out the uh, the... So the mundane and repetitive tasks, as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's huge potential across all industries um, for that to change and that to make more organizations more efficient across the board. I mentioned the financial services and um, within consumers in terms of predicting spending spending habits or behaviors or helping with kind of health healthcare as well as another another example. Um, but I myself, I haven't I haven't worked uh, day to day with it, um, but it is something that, uh, as I said, from a growth and trend perspective, is going to uh, fundamentally change uh, how, how we work and interact. You mentioned that you started your career as a business analyst and as someone who wants to pursue project management later on uh, and I've seen your LinkedIn you've done a lot of certifications in Scrum and Agile. Which certification do you recommend to get started if it's required or if it's something that organizations prefer or look for? Uh, yeah so um, so that's so when, you, when I started off as a BA so again I would have I would have have done those roles with the mindset of wanting to get into project management, like you said, which is which is excellent. So if if it's something that you do want to follow a similar trajectory, I'd recommend. So Scrum Master was one when I started off. Would have been in an agile environment, and I, and I then took on the role of the Scrum Master. So that helped me navigate that area when I was doing that type of role. Speaking from a project management perspective, um, I'd recommend so Prince Two um, was was one that I would have done initially um, in my kind of first or second year, starting off as um, in a pure PM role, and then ultimately the the PMI's Project Management Professional Certification. Again, that's something that I'd, I'd definitely recommend. I mean, that's the gold standard of project management. Um, there's actually a, a a chapter here of the PMI, the Irish chapter that I'm a member of, um, and I'd, I'd encourage similarly if something you're interested in project management as a whole. There's a fantastic community there of of great resources um, that you can you can join and access and have. Uh, kind of start your journey and increase your knowledge uh, working towards that. Um, so definitely, I think Scrum Master to broaden your your knowledge of Agile and, and those type of roles um, and Prince 2 and Project Management would be the core 
PM certifications that I definitely, um, I definitely recommend. Uh, my name is Luca, uh, Luca Massavi from Italy. And which are uh, the biggest differences between uh, public and private uh, sector clients? Do you prefer to work uh, more with uh, public or private and why? I've only worked um, with private sector clients, so it's, it's difficult to try and give the full balance across. I've, I've been predominantly in life sciences and, uh, and financial services, so I haven't worked in the, the public sector to probably give you a, a, a proper comparison of that. <laughs> And um, um, can I ask you another question? Uh, in eight years, you became a senior manager. So that's a very good career path. What is your uh, the, the key of your uh, what, what what is the skills that helped you most in during this uh, during your development? Sure. Um, so I think at Deloitte the Deloitte model is 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 very focused on continuous learning, continuous development, continuous growth. Um, so having that framework. At the outset is also it's, is obviously very helpful, but I think it, it does go down to the individual and having a kind of a positive attitude, having a very I suppose, an attitude that you're focused on continuous learning and growth for your own area and pushing yourself to to take on more. I mentioned some of the extracurricular activities um, that you get involved in, so I was always um, involved in other whether it's setting up communities of practice or help leading internal initiatives and events, and, and I, I mentioned the graduate program. So getting in, putting yourself forward and, and getting uh, getting involved in many activities, kind of investing a lot in in, in what you do on a day-to-day -day and kind of build, building a brand internally as well is, is, is equally important. Um, I think staying on top of what you, I suppose what your area is, what your speciality is. As I said, I had, I had a passion for, pro, for project management um, that I identified quite early. So I'd always wanted to kind of push myself to get into those type of roles and opportunities, working with my coach and, and the leaders to, to get those opportunities and, and, and making the most, leveraging the support you have around you as well. Um, it's, it, it sounds very simple, but it is a truth to say, um, look, if you don't know anything, there's a, say it and put your hand up and that culture of collaboration and putting that at the front of, you're not, you're not expected to know and be an expert in absolutely everything. Um, but kind of having the confidence in yourself to, to be able to leverage and work as a team um, and kind of embrace that culture, be it working with teams across the, the globe, internally from, from different backgrounds and uh, embracing diversity to, uh, as part of the, the, your approach. There are some of the things that I, I definitely recommend uh, that has helped me in my career um, as, I've, as I've progressed. Okay, thank you. Can I ask one last quick sure. question? Uh, any mm, secret tip uh, to uh, be successful in the graduate program uh, recruitment process? Did you apply? Yeah. Okay, very good. <laughs> That's a good first step. Um, so, no, I think, you, I mean, I'm sure you would have gone through the different applications and whether it was a case study or if it was, have you done your, you haven't done your interviews yet, I don't imagine, um, but if you have or haven't, I think, do your research, um, kind of identify something that you might be interested in or you have a passion in. Um, I think it's equally important as well to, to try, and, try and stand out. Um, if you take, for example, there's, what, 30 people here today. If I was to say there's only five roles available, have a think about what makes you stand out, what makes you different, what, what's your USP that in a room full of excellent, brilliant individuals that, will, that makes you stand out. So I think have a think about that. Um, and definitely do your research um, and, and kind of be, be passionate when you, when you get to your interview. Hi, my name is Elena. Um, I have a question like, what in your opinion distinguishes Deloitte from the other big four? 
It's a good, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. Um, look again, it, 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 I'm trying to give a bias to you here, but uh, I mean, um, I think one thing that always, um, look, first of all, every, each of the professional services firms are all hugely powerful, incredibly talented organizations full of brilliant people. So that as a, as a base, that's, that's the level that we're, that we're all, um, Operating. I think what I find unique to Deloitte and what drew me to Deloitte was that culture of collaboration and kind of a, a flat enough structure that, it, it, that it's very easy to speak to, to a leader to a leader in the firm. Um, and I found everyone to be very approachable. When I went through the, the interview process again, we would have had the opportunity to go in and uh, to meet some of the leadership team. And I found that there was definitely a, a really embracing culture where you could... You didn't have to fear uh, about speaking to anybody. Um, I think as well as I'd mentioned to reaching out to people, I had done that in advance and I heard great opinions and great views of people who had worked there and people who had worked there and left as well. And I had only heard resounding uh, reviews about, again, that that culture. So I think that it's one that stood out for me. And that's, look, again, not to say that I'm sure that equal, <laughs> equal cultures exist, but personally, uh, that's what drew me to Deloitte above, above some of... Um, the other firms um, and it's again a fundamental reason why uh, I'm, I'm there today still. Thank you so much. We have like so many different terms right now, AI, machine learning and like if we really want to stand out, like which area should we focus on? It's it's hard to throw your hat into one of those areas. Um, again, as I said, if you think the scale in which technology has, has grown and expanded 10 years ago, like there's very few of the, the leading um, technologies that we just mentioned, you just mentioned there, uh, existed or in any in any mainstream, having the understanding of the different um, the different technologies, the market awareness, the trends that are coming, and um, if you want to kind of dive into one of those, is is very important. It'd be difficult to say right now to, where to put your hat. Some the trends in AI and and I said machine learning, those areas are, are huge. And I guess that's a wrap. Um, thank you very much, Kevin, for dedicating your time to us. And I'll, I hope to see you again soon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much to everybody. As I said, I, I really appreciate uh, being, being invited back uh, here. And I wish you all the very best um, in the rest of your studies. Thank you for listening. The music used is Voltaic Fluctuations by Ben Prunty and used with his permission.